Welcome to the Finding Refuge podcast. My name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson, and I am glad you're here. The Finding Refuge podcast emerged from a desire to have conversations about the intersection of grief and liberation. This podcast explores how we can find refuge during unsettling and uncertain times. It features guests from various backgrounds, lineages, and lived experiences. I hope you enjoy listening. I'm excited to bring this episode of the podcast to you. I had the honor and privilege of interviewing Mara Branscombe. And Mara is a mother, writer, yogi, artist, mindfulness leader, ceremonialist, and spiritual coach. Mara has taught yoga and meditation for 20 years and runs international retreats, corporate leadership programs, and personal development courses. Mara is a published author of two books and has recorded over 40 meditation and yoga videos on Gaia.com. Hello, Mara. It is good to see you. I'm excited we get to spend some time together and appreciative you agreed to be a guest on the podcast. Um, so thanks for, for taking the time and for being here with me today in this way. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah. And we have not met in person. It will happen one day. And I feel like we met online initially following each other's practices and, and work. And you asked if I would write, I remember you reaching out if, asking if I would write an endorsement for your second book, Sage Huntress Lover Queen, Access Your Power and Creativity Through Sacred Female Archetypes, um, which I, I said yes to and did and am excited it's out in the world. And then from that, I feel like after that, is, or, or I don't know if it was after that, but there was some email about, do you want to do something together? And I don't even remember who sent that or how that transpired, but I felt a resonance with your, your work and your practice and the medicine you offer to the world. And so we create an offering that was online about ritual and the practice of remembrance. And we're hoping to offer some other things like that in the future based on our work. And so um, it's been fun to get to know you a bit. And I remember the first Zoom we had where there was a lot of like energy and what about this and what about this as we were planning something together and it felt easy and generative for me. That's how it felt. And so I'm glad again, we get to spend this time together today. Thank you. Yeah. And I'd love for you to share for listeners who uh, may not be familiar with your, who you are, or your work, your practice, your medicine. I'd love for you to share some about it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay. Well, where did it all begin? Um, I was gifted with nature as a child. I was, I was raised in a very conservative kind of um, non-religious background, actually, in my family home. Uh, and what I was gifted was nature. And so each summer we would uh, have two months um, at a place on a lake 
And that was formative of and, and generative of the work that I do now. I feel that those seeds were planted and somehow I deeply align. My first memory was of the full moon <laughs> glowing over the lake, which probably a lot of us did have those early memories of the moon. And the call was really strong to follow the moon. And, you know, by the time I got to be six to 15 or 16, I had a best friend who's uh, mother was a witch, a pagan witch, and um, I was introduced to um, the pagan Celtic Wheel of the Year and the high holidays that go along with the equinoxes and the solstices and the cross quarter points and the Wheel of the Year. And then I became, um, I, I was mentored then by that group. So that um, when I actually realized there was a system around the moon cycle and how to honor it, full moon, new moon, and the points in between, and how to do rituals to um, stay steady with the lunar energies and to call upon the magic that comes with those times and those intuitive channels that are birthed from those times. Uh, I thought, wow, you know, I just, I felt like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, universe. I have been gifted with something I was longing for. Um, and so then that carried on into my background of um, becoming a ceremonialist and practicing um, ritual and sharing ritual with others based on the pagan Celtic wheel of the year. And then I went on to do shamanic training um, from, from the Quero people of Peru. So I have, I'm a medicine carrier of, of that medicine. And uh, along with the um, discovery of yoga at the ripe age of 18, followed by uh, a year of, in India, um, four years later, where study trained. So yoga teacher, meditation teacher, ceremonialist, I work with women. I also became um, a Waldorf uh, teacher, school teacher. So I studied in the Steiner um, framework as well, including biodynamic um, gardening and farming. And so all nature-based energy um, to now, I am writing about it and teaching about um, and gathering uh, it's my favorite thing to gather in community and practice ritual. Yeah, thank you for sharing some about your your journey and your path. I know there's there's a lot more to it and just the different um, energies that inspire you and also different ways of being and working and practicing and the piece about community and engaging in ritual and ceremony in community. And also following the moon, I was born on a on a full moon, and my mother always says, Michelle always knows where the, the moon is, which is very true. And I think it has to do with being born on a on a full moon as as also my energy aligns with that, um, bringing things to fruition, right? The, the um, fullness of things and the birthing of things. So that definitely resonates and a connection with with nature as well. And I'd love for you to share something about the moment we're in. So for listeners, it's it's November 7th, um, and this will come out a little bit later, um, but just to orient people to time and place and where we are right now. And I'm wondering what ceremony and, and what your rituals are revealing to you now, just given what you're awake to or responding to or feeling into. Great question. Today actually is the um, an, a very big astrological day um, for Samhain. Samhain is the halfway point between fall equinox and winter solstice. So we are, you know, traditionally it's on the 31st of October, November 1st. And then, you know, 
from what I've been reading, there is an astrological alignment this whole week, specifically today. And it doesn't have, it, it could be a week before, it could be a week after. This whole time right now is rich with going into a quieter space within, um, honoring the ritual of um, the darkness. So I do not turn on any lights in the morning and I won't do this all the way through um, the winter season. I light a candle and I do my meditation with candlelight um, and then I wait for the natural light to come up. And Sawin or this cross quarter point um, between fall equinox and winter solstice is about honoring the darkness coming. It is also known as um, the witch's new year. And, and so in that it's, it's, a, it's a time to really take a good look and a feel and a sense into what is dying out of you right now and, and what is releasing out of you. And you can, you know, so for living, if you are living in the Northern hemisphere, you're watching the leaves Oh, last night we had a wild windstorm. I awoke to the trees barren this morning and, and the earth um, blanketed in, in leaves. So symbolic of um, the release, um, the dying away. And, you know, I also I'm going to tell you, I couldn't, um, you know, I was struck by um, grief this morning, making some connections between the, you know, the, this, this deep release of the trees and then the sadness in the world right now um, of what is happening in war-torn countries. And um, it's as if, you know, one could hear the, the holy cries of Mother, of Mother Earth, of, of the feminine um, calling for peace and calling for rest. And that is the season now that we, we move from this um, place of internal inquiry. So anything you can do to take care of yourself, warm Epsom salt baths, all your herbal teas, um, getting good sleep, doing the restorative soul care practices. That's the gateway into this next season coming. Yeah. I appreciate hearing about your part of, of your practice around how you're working with the darkness right now. And also um, the naming of the grief um that you are feeling or felt this morning both in reflection um from the natural world and the the release and the dying away and shedding that is happening and how that's happening on a collective scale i would say in unnatural ways actually there's the natural reflection and then there there's the like what humans do and just being with that and the dissonance that can be created there and also inviting in that space and from that space and also inviting people into the the practices that are more viewed as more internal quiet right and the the doorway or portal or gateway is the word you used into the next season right preparing for that um, and that this is a ripe time to to do that so thanks for for sharing that that also is making me think about your first book, Ritual as Remedy. That is the name of it. Yes. Yes. I feel like you just offered, right, a, a, um, an authentic sharing around grief and also um, um, rituals as remedy in response to whatever might be emerging for people and what we know is emerging on the planet right now. 
And I'm wondering if you could share some about your first book and it can be really anything you want to share from that offering. Um, it could be about the writing process. It could be about how it came to you. The seed for that project came to you. I'd love to hear yes. more. Thank you, Michelle. The seed that came is around intuition and it was sparked by such a strong intuitive surge in my body that I could not ignore it. I didn't know I was going to write a book. And this was Ritual as Remedy was an online course that I taught pre-pandemic for probably four or five years. And the work was around connecting with the elements, earth, air, fire, water, and ether, and practicing intentional ways or rituals that keep one steady, that strengthen one's inner sense of divine will so that intuition can spark. And so I was one day going over my PDFs, preparing for a session that I was teaching online. And I was stopped in my tracks that like time completely stood still. And I felt a light beam go up my spine. And the message was, now it's time to write a book. And I thought, oh, my, okay, <laughs> that was really strong. And then the second message was, it's for the collective. And that message was so important to me because I knew that this wasn't about me and that it wasn't about my ego and that I couldn't get in my own way and that I had to put my head down and do the work and do the work that was required. And that that is how the book was birthed then. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. Share more. Well, I was just going to ask if you, if, you know, personally, if, if you had a resonance of, of that kind of energy pre-writing your books or how did, how did the call come for you to write? Um, that's a great question. Um, I remember before I wrote my first book, Skill in Action, that I put something on Facebook that was like, I'm going to write a book. What should it be about? Something like that. And people had responses. And this was, it was probably in 2014 or so when I put that out, maybe earlier than that, that question. Um, and someone wrote embodiment, actually one of my close friends and other people wrote things that I was not going to write about, but embodiment resonated. And I feel like that posting, right, putting it out there, the call had already happened at that point when I was like, what should it be about? And then the clarity came later around, oh, it's about this path of yoga and the industry of yoga. I mean, that was what the first book was about and justice, the intersection of justice and yoga. And I've written several books since then. And um, while skill in action in many ways, and all of my books feel like it's the ancestors working through me and the medicine, my medicine that I can offer at the time, right, in response to what's unfolding or what will unfold or our awareness of what's unfolding, I'll say, or wakefulness around it. The the um, knowing that my ancestors are guiding me and my guides are supporting me in writing and spirit is writing in many ways through me for the collective that's deepened with every book. And I think it's, it's evident if people have been following me for that long since Skill in Action came out, they'll feel that in the writing that spirit is infused throughout, right? That more stories about ancestors are present in the writing. Um, so I think that that 
there's a felt sense of that as people engage with with my writing and books. So that's a little bit. Thanks for asking about the call. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing because I, I love that because there's so many ways that we can get that impulse, that surge in that intuitive attention that's so unique to all of us. So, you know, that is a process and that process can look so different for all of us and as we evolve throughout our own life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what we're called to or what we create, what we birth or how we, the things we've previously birthed, they evolve throughout time and what we're learning and unlearning. So that definitely resonates. And the affirmation for people listening around intuition and how we receive messages in different ways. And I would say that if we if we get the call, like I'm such an action-oriented person, so I'll be like, okay, I'm going to create this. All right, I heard, got it. I do believe that, that, you know, if we get the call, there may be some resistance to it. That seems natural at different times and also respond. And I know this is something we talked about call and response in our offering as well. Now that I'm saying this and thinking about it, right? Listen um, to what we're being called into because often there's medicine we can, we can offer the collective. um, And that's unique to each one of us, even if there's resonance, um, uh, among us so yeah and, and it takes courage i believe to listen to the call and it takes bravery to put it out into the world mm-hmm. what supported you this is how i want to ask the question in being brave in that way of putting ritual as remedy out which of course you created as a course you said that you were teaching pre-pandemic and then sage huntress lover queen and all of the other work you do I'm, I'm thinking about those books specifically though like what assisted you in being brave in that way? Uh, a few things. That that one again, that message that's so strong, it just like hit me like a lightning surge. Was it's for the collective. It's not about you. It's nothing about you. Do the work to keep your vessel clean and and put it put it out. Put it onto paper. Whatever comes forward, um, with you know a lot of discernment and editing, of course. But um, but to not limit the vision right off the top of of exactly naming what exactly it had to be because I think that um, one could get really tripped up in and being um, stubborn, if you will, on just one idea where I believe the creative process and the writing process, the ideas evolve. And like you said, the beginning, (laughs) your first book to where you are now, that's a huge evolution. Same with me, like Ritual's Remedy to Sage Huntress Lover Queen, the final chapter of Sage Huntress Lover Queen. When I look at it, I don't recognize the writing. Um, And it is because it was a practice skill every morning at 5 a.m. So discipline is what allowed me to get the work out into the world. The The daily meditation practice, the daily breath, the daily connection to nature, and proper rest is what allowed me to sit in the writer's seat every day in order to, to put this work out into the world. And the embodiment pieces, you know, and I, I feel so blessed that I, I am able to guide myself through movement practices and guide others because the embodiment is testing out the work. How does this feel in the body? So when I wrote Sage Huntress Lover Queen on the female archetypes, I, I lived each archetype for two months, each one as I wrote as I wrote it, I lived that. How does it feel to breathe into the sage? How does it feel to move like a sage? What is a sage inside of me? What does the sage want to eat? What is the sage? How does the sage get nourished? Um, what does the sage want to speak to me? So these are the, some of the 
And I literally would put myself in there and then the sage would speak. And so then the sage, the sage wrote that chapter. Um, so it was a, a really wild, creative healing process uh, for me personally. And that's what I guess that was like, that was like the permission slip in a way, because I was like, oh, I, it, it almost took me, it took me over. Like I, I had no choice and in a good way. Yeah. You're, you're making me think about actors and how they embody the characters they're tasked with playing. Right. And um, the different things actors might do to, to learn about that character and live into that role um, and how at times it can be difficult to stop living into that as they're going through the creative process of embodiment related to their character. I'm curious to know what, and maybe it was spirit or your guides or your just inner wisdom, right? What led you to understand that you needed to embody the archetypes and sage huntress lover queen for two months, right? And ask the questions you surfaced around what is a sage want to eat? What does a sage think like? Or, you know, what does a sage move like? Like what led you to that place of, I need to embody these in this way to allow this mm -hmm. to move through me mm -hmm. as a vessel? Well, I didn't want it to be uh, an intellectual thing. Uh, I wanted it to be a body centric thing, um, a centric energy. And um, I also didn't want to overly read on what other people had wrote uh, about this work this body of work because um, the call came very strong to bring forward the energy of the elements, the chakra system, the energy center in the body. And, and weave all these tools that I've been practicing for 25 or 30 years into these frameworks. And, you know, that's the, so, so I, you know, Gabriel Ross says it takes discipline to be a free spirit. And um, the discipline was, wonderful for me in that here's an archetype these are the qualities here's the shadow qualities so i'm going to live eat breathe that and see what comes forward it's connected to this particular energy center that's how i framed it it's connected to a particular element and that that call came from um, just a deep feeling within i'd say my inner guide it also came from my years so i was also a dancer um, a choreographer a creator and I love the creative process and I love going into process. So when you said that thing about uh, actors, I, I never made that parallel. Um, that was new, but I, I, I had an aha inside because, I mean, that's what I would do in the studio, creating a piece of dance also is to um, go deep and go deep into the shadow of it and bring out the darkness to like find the crack of light in the, in the studio to create, you know, something that could be, never created before. Yeah, that background of being a, having been a choreographer and, and a dancer makes sense to me based on what you described around your creative. I didn't know that about you. And based on what you described about your creative process, that makes a, a lot of sense. And I, I want to ask about shadow because you just mentioned it and this process of going through and connecting with the shadow through dance or I imagine through writing too, in this embodiment of these archetypes um, and just what it means to create something and put it out in the world. And to me, it feels like there's a lot of shadow being reflected to us. That is a reflection of our own shadow, right? And not necessarily, I mean, shadow is part of who we are. It's some of the patterns that are happening 
now that are not new, but that are unfolding, don't feel true to who we are, or the essence of who we are. So I'm curious to hear some about the power of turning towards shadow, because I, I'm also asking this question, because there's a tendency in my experience and the people that I encounter and practice with, there's a, there can be a tendency to turn away from shadow or things we don't like or things we don't understand or things we feel like we're not a part of. And I think we are a part of what's happening in all the ways. And so I'm curious to hear some about the value of turning towards shadow or practice to turn towards shadow. Mm -hmm. The value of turning towards shadow is that um, it will continue to follow you until you face it. <laughs> so why not today? Why not now? Why not begin slowly with gently, kindly with oneself? And I think some people are really, um, of course, I mean, deep down, um, we fear perhaps revealing what we're most afraid of in ourselves, in others, the ugly, the, the death, the destruction the persecution, the execution, like that's like deep, deep stuff in our DNA. And ancestral trauma is, is so real as we know. And we carry so many things that we don't even know we carry until it surfaces, I believe. So instead of getting intellectual about it in a way, we could also just get into it in a body centric way in some ways to work with that shadow is that to, to feel how it lands in your body so that when you're reading the news, for example, or listening to the news, and it is that one side has been taken, for example, your opinion has been taken, the negativity bias is already, already running strong in you. I've personally experienced that in the past two weeks. That's my, my cue to go, no, wait, pause, witness, listen receive all the information and without side taking necessarily just pause listen receive witness how does it feel where does it hurt where do you feel the pain where do you feel the anger where do you feel the rage where do you feel the sorrow um and where where do you feel the um you know frustration all of those those energies are ways for us to direct our attention to that body part. For example, you feel it in your gut, you feel it in your mind, you feel it in your heart, you feel it um, tension in the, you know, the back, in the low back. Um, we, 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 we take things on in our body, don't we? And it's, we're so sensitive. We are also sensitive. And so for me, that's, that's a way that I, I think about and work with the shadow. I mean, it's a, you know, you're having a conversation with a loved one and it gets heated. Where do you feel that? what happens, you know, and that's just that moment to go. It's that honoring, I feel this, I'm sweating, my heart's racing, I feel like I'm gonna vomit, you know, like, it's like, it's seriously, all these things, right. And it, it is, you know, it, it's like turning the dial up to go, okay, body, thank you for that message. I'm going to take a deep breath, maybe go get a tall glass of water. Maybe I need to step outside just for a moment of breath, breath of fresh air and then get curious about, okay, what's going on? You know, what's going on? And to, to, to be that kind and compassionate to yourself about that shadow. And maybe you would go right about that feeling that you had, and maybe you share it with a loved one that doesn't have judgment or you have a, 
a trusted therapist or, you know, counselor that you work with. I mean, I think this is a time where we need to get our personal team on board, all the support systems. So however you receive support personally, I think it's time to maybe up-level that, um, considering what's going on um, in the world right now, to make sure that we are held in a way that we can um, work with our shadows in order to strengthen our sense of compassion from within. Yeah, I appreciate the the practice of pausing as part of what I heard in that and allowing oneself to feel into what might be going on in response to a reaction, right? To something we hear, see, experience through conversation or, or the consumption of news and information. And the uh, invitation for people to be gentle and compassionate toward themselves as they're, they're in that pause um, and that place of, of um, inquiry and, and curiosity. And then I, I also, this, what you named about, you know, folks getting their, their personal care teams on board now, given um, our sensitivity and, and what is unfolding on the planet now feels important. And I'm also aware, like, for me, that is fairly easy to do energetically, time-wise, financially. I don't mean the act of being like, I need my care team right now. That's not always easy to identify or do or like follow through, but the the access to is really what I'm speaking about. So I'm wondering if, I agree, we need, we need like supports. And I'm thinking about people who may not have access to the kind of supports I have access to, a, um, a, a plethora of healers, right? Um, shamans and and teachers and yoga practitioners and massage there like people and an acupuncturist like people who who support me through healing and provide um, spiritual counseling to me and have at various times in my life and i'm thinking about also my guides and spirit and ancestors and so i'm wondering if there are ways people who may not have access to all of the things i just named can access their care team because I understand the care team like here on earth and also um, in the heavenly realm or above realm or the deep core of the earth. So I'm wondering if you'd share Uh a little bit about that for people. Yeah. Thank you. That's a great, great um, point to bring forward. And I often do what you're just saying. I often don't have time to (laughs) get all the support team that I, I would want. So I say, okay, I'm my support team and I'm not alone. And I can go in nature and feel my support team in nature. So one practice that I do is, um, and especially re- related to the shadow, let's say something that's come, it's come up um, and, you know, it's a frustrated, angry energy and irritability um, or deep sorrow, or I've said something that was of ill will, ill nature, because one of my shadows reared its head like really strong and came through me and hurt someone else unintentionally in the moment, but it did. So my job would be to um, first take accountability, forgiveness. Uh, Let's say it's to my daughter, please forgive me. I said something I shouldn't have said. I was hungry and tired and frustrated. That's one part of it. Then and the next part would be for me to then um, forgive myself. And I would go into nature as I often do 
walking um, or you get to the park, um, wherever you can access, you even look out your window if you're, you know, in the in the city and you can't get out. Right now I'm looking at the trees blowing um, in the wind and I'm asking for um, forgiveness of self. And then I'm asking and I'm giving permission for that energy that felt stuck and irritable. I'm asking for it to leave my body. May it go in peace uh, because it won't serve me or anyone else anymore. So that nature is part of our support team. Our ancestors for sure are part of our support team. If you can access some energy around that, and this is a powerful time right now, this is the time of the ancestors as we call forward support. And what, you know, what I would do in my morning meditation is I would light my candle, I would sit in quiet silence, and then I would ask um, either, I am ready and willing to receive support at this time. It could be from a particular ancestor or a feeling. I often work with my great-grandmother because she came to me from, in a very strong way, um, through, through spirit. And um, there may be just an energetic exchange there because I am ready and willing to receive support at this time. Show me a sign, a symbol. I am listening. I am here to support you. So there's a, a reciprocity of support. There's an honoring of support and that you are not alone in that. And then sometimes there's another round of people that in terms of spirit or animal that come around the circle to support me also. And then the dream time. So that's important to get a good sleep so that we can pay attention to the dreams and the support team can come in the dream time, especially if you get really intentional with it. For example, before you go to bed, taking care, getting nourished, um, getting to bed early and say, my work is done now for the day. I'm ready to sleep well, heal, and perhaps maybe receive a message in the form of a dream. Have the dream journal beside you. So you wake up at 3 a.m. or whatever time you have this very powerful message dream um, and you write it down and that becomes a practice too. Um, and then let's not forget finding our community and our trusted friends that can listen without judgment. We need to find those folks um, and that you show up for them the same way they show up for you. It's a, it's a reciprocal trusted friend relationship. Yeah, thank you for all of the practices you just you shared. I really appreciate that because they're practices that resonate with me and that I engage um, so much of the time, and they don't require us to to really go anywhere or or have access to some of the type of healers that I was naming earlier. And they can show up for us in meditation and um, in the natural world, which is such an expansive place for healing and forgiveness and compassion um, and what it's mirroring back to us all of the time and the way it's benevolent and loving and unconditionally loving, I would say, toward us. The just different offerings through that and dream time, right? The different ways people can access helpers and guides um, and benevolent beings and the reciprocity that feels so key. So I'm glad that you, you, you called that in. I imagine all of the archetypes that you've written about in Sage Huntress, Lover Queen, and other archetypes and energies are prominent and present for you right now. And I'm wondering if there is um, some wisdom you might want to share from either one of the archetypes that you're you're working with now, 
And it may be from the list that I just shared because there are many manifestations of each one of those um, that are in the book. But if there's some wisdom you want to share that's been channeling through you from your practice of embodiment and archetypal energy. Thank you. Yeah, I just picked up the book just now. Um, And it's always funny because, you know, when you flip open a book and the first page was also what you were thinking of sharing. So, um, yeah, I'm working with the sage archetype, I would say, quite strongly right now. And the sage is the wise one, the elder. The sage holds uh, healing properties. The sage is connected to the second energy center and um, the element of water, which is creativity, also working with abundance um, and also working with a really healthy maturation journey. I turned 50 this year. I feel like I'm, wow, I made it to 50. How fabulous is that? And I am working to reframe the aging journey in a way that I could inspire folks to not fear it, And rather to um, really go into, well, this is a, this really is an honoring. This is an honoring. I get to live another year on this planet. I get to live another day on this planet. And so how am I going to embody this, this mind body temple of mine (laughs) to, to meet the sage within and, so yeah, I'm working, of course, on, you know, the sage is the, the holder of intuition and discerning intuition from illusion and discerning um, the unconscious rulers is what I call them. And so the unconscious rulers are part of our shadow. They're the ones that motivate us to do certain things, especially when we're not conscious of what we're motivated by. So it's a really great, and I wanted to mention this to all the the listeners and, and remind myself, what's my intention behind that? what I just spoke, how I just acted, the projects that I want to create, like what's the seed, what's the core? And to return that seed and the core as much as possible to goodness, to truth, to um, courage, right action, harmony, so that I'm staying really steady and clear in this wellness industry that we are in with the truth of the message as opposed to the illusion of or a facade or another mask or a veil or a face that um, I'm sure you can also relate to that that is that is seen that is seen that is a hook like whether it be a marketing hook by other people come do this come take this because you will get this the sage's energy is around really getting this, getting down, getting down to the truth of the message and empowering others to get down to the truth of their own message. That also, again, reminds me of call and response in the way we were talking about it before. And in my own experience, how people don't always want to hear the message <laughs> that the sage <laughs> wants to impart or share. And the power of sharing it anyway, because it is the medicine, or it is the the truth, um, or it is the way to um, remove the veil or illusion um, in the way you were you were talking about. And I've been thinking about this a lot over the past month, really, 
and more and in, more intensely, I would say in the over the past couple of weeks with like, what do I say about what's happening in the world? And then I've been going back to finding refuge or we heal together or what I've already said, right? I'm like, you, you've said some things. So go back to the things that moved through you and offer that as wisdom now and medicine now um, and share the message, even if, right? Um, people have some reaction to it, response to it, confusion around it, whatever it is, but it was it, for me, the awareness of like you, the medicine is already there, right? And also you're saying things that other people have said, right? Things have moved through you from the cosmos, from the below, from your ancestors, from spirit that you're just offering again and again and again. So I really appreciate the wisdom from the, the sage mm-hmm. and the way you spoke and about so, it. And I love how you shared that, you know, you're, you're, you're going back to what you have embodied already pre um the event that's happening now which is incredibly triggered and so that is interesting to me that you would honor it from a place that is um from steady ground within you that's beautiful that's Mm. very wise Mm. thank you for reflecting that back Mm -hmm. there's something to that (laughs) that's about the wisdom that comes before the whatever it is right and people's activation around something and then being like oh this is here here's this again which i think we both we do that right like here here's this it's like illuminating truths that have been present or medicine that has been present and sharing it and allowing it to land for people again or or new people or in a different way um which is how medicine can in my experience work is there anything else you want to share before we close our time together today. One thing that's really struck me is the reminder in the past few weeks and speaking with you is, is the reminder that, you know, once we can take care of ourselves and really work on strengthening our own internal voice, we will be more ready to hear others. And that once we take care of ourselves from within, we will be more ready to hear our intuitive voice and therefore ready to receive others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that resonates. It can be very confusing. Yeah. Sorry. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can no, be very it's confusing. just, it, it, it can be. And there's so much polarization and activation, which makes it hard to listen. And that's part of what I heard and what you just shared. To come back to oneself is the invitation I heard in that, so that we can come to one another in the way you just invited us to do. So I really appreciate that piece of wisdom. So thank you. Mm-hmm. So lovely to see you and to be with you today. Thanks again for being in community and conversation with me. And I so appreciate your practice and offerings and um labor and um the many gifts you offer to the world so thank Mm. you likewise right back at you i was also born on a full moon of course you were (laughs) just thought i'd like just thought i'd get that in there (laughs) of course this all makes sense now yeah Yeah, all makes sense thank you mara thank you michelle (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Finding Refuge. If you are enjoying the podcast, I encourage you to share it with friends and family members and to rate it on iTunes. In addition to sharing about this podcast, you can support my work in the world by becoming a patron on Patreon. You can find me there as Michelle C. Johnson, Skill in Action, Yoga, and Social Justice. I offer monthly movement practices, as well as monthly divination readings. Lastly, I want to share that I have a new book that came out in August of 2023. The book is titled A Space for Us, A Guide for Leading Black, Indigenous, and People of Color Affinity Groups, published by Beacon Press. This book is a love song and a gift to Black, Indigenous, and people of color, as well as people of the global majority. I encourage you to purchase it if you are interested in facilitating affinity groups for BIPOC and people of the global majority, and if you're interested in learning more about anti-racism work. In addition, many of you know, We Healed Together came out in April of 2023, and thank you for your support of We Healed Together, and I hope you continue to support it and work with it and move through the rituals and practices to build community and connection. Thank you so much, and take care. Mm -hmm.